ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. And exercise has been shown to um, be a therapy for depression. But recommendations vary around the world about what sort of exercise you should have, how long it should, you should be doing it for, how intense. And so researchers have actually done a review of the available evidence in terms of what sort of exercise works, how often, and what sort of dose. And one of the researchers was Michael Nuttell, who's a psychologist at the University of Queensland. Thanks, Norman. Before we get to the actual findings of this review of the evidence in exercise and depression, I mean, it's fraught, isn't it? Because, first of all, how can you do a placebo for exercise? You're either doing yoga or you're not, or you're either running madly down the, through the countryside <laughs> or not. And the second one is, if you're able to do that, how bad's your depression? Because one of the features of depression is I really cannot motivate myself to do anything, lift my phone or get out of bed. And if you're motivated or activated enough to actually get out and exercise, is your depression so mild it doesn't matter? These are really good questions. So let me take them in turn. So coming to the second one, because these were randomized trials, we think that there's better causal evidence here that giving someone a good exercise program does get people out of bed. And I think that the difference here is that if you are given a program, as opposed to just sort of generally encouraged to do some physical activity, that even when you account for the dropout and the fact that people with depression struggle to stay motivated and struggle to turn up, the effects here are as good as a whole lot of other treatments because those other treatments are hard to do too. It's hard to get out of bed to go see a therapist. It's not a lot of people who get antidepressants don't take them all the time. So that's one thing. The second thing is a bit of a problem because when you looked at blinding, it was really hard to double blind these studies. Still, these studies did try to do a range of different control conditions, but they didn't work as well as therapy and they didn't work as well as like active exercise programs. Okay, so you looked through a list of different forms of exercise and yeah. some rose to the top. Which ones? Well, the ones that rose to the top were things like strength training and yoga, walking and running, even aerobic exercise where people do a mix of different things, um, and even Tai Chi and Qigong. So the ones that people were least likely to drop out of were yoga and strength training. But all the ones that I've listed there were all pretty good with the effects in the same range as like cognitive behavior therapy. One of the things that you say in the paper is motivating you to do actually to do the paper is that if you look at national guidelines for exercise and depression, they're usually pretty vague and nonspecific. Oh, it would be a good idea if you went out and did some exercise, but not really taking it with the seriousness that you would with psychotherapy or a prescription. You've already alluded to the fact that programmatic ones seem to do better, but you looked at dose and you looked at intensity. What did you come up with? Fortunately in Australia, our guidelines are reasonably good. So the psychiatric guidelines for mood disorder say that everybody should be doing vigorous exercise a couple of times a week. But as you pointed to, that's not the case everywhere. We didn't find that you have to do it a couple of times a week. We didn't find the amount of time that you spend exercising, the number of sessions seemed to matter in their studies that we looked at. But the intensity did. So even a gentle walk was good, but walking the stairs or going for a run was better. You know, Hatha yoga was good, but doing a more intensive type of yoga was better. And so even 15 or 20 minutes seemed to be effective. But if that was up and down the stairs, that was better than just doing a gentle walk. One of the things that they've said about exercise and cognitive ability, so we're changing frame now from exercise and depression to exercise and cognitive ability, mm. is they say, well, maybe it's not the exercise. Maybe it's actually what you do during the exercise. So, for example, they said, well, programmatic exercise like strength training 
is good for cognition, maybe because you're actually in a group, you're interacting with other people, Mm -hmm. and you're counting your reps. There's actually a cognitive aspect to the training Mm -hmm. itself. Did you look at that? We did find some evidence that would be consistent with that. So, for example, we found that older adults and men tended to get a better response from this from doing things like yoga. And I think that's because, like, if I think about my dad, he would not have done a downward dog in his whole lifetime. And no, so I was going to say, be- was it because men hate, would hate the idea of yoga more than women? <laughs> Possibly, but also because I think it's newer and they're learning something new. And sort of if you flip it around, like women got better results from strength training and younger people did too. And those might be things that people are more likely novel for that population. So, look, I think there probably is an element of this. I think one of the reasons why a lot of things are working here is because you are learning something new and doing something different and getting feedback and, you know, strength training improves your self-efficacy because you get so much better quickly the first time you start doing a program like this. So I'm sure that there are a range of factors improving people's depression and I wouldn't be surprised if the cognitive things you pointed to made a difference too. What was the interaction between exercise and say psychotherapy, cognitive behavioural therapy and or antidepressants? When people were on antidepressants, the exercise combined with the antidepressant was much better. Roughly like a doubling in the effect over just a control group. The effects of therapy with exercise were roughly the same as just therapy on its own or exercise on its own. The whole psychedelic story is premised on a large proportion of people, maybe 30 odd percent of people who are given the best standard of care, don't get better. There's treatment resistant depression. So that's the argument that why not go on psilocybin because that's going to help resistant depression if you can afford 25,000 bucks. But the, um, does exercise help resistant depression? We looked at whether the effects of exercise were different on the basis of the severity of people's symptoms when they started. And it's a little bit hard to be as strong in the causal claims here because you can't kind of perfectly be sure that the treatments that were offered to people with severe depression are the same as the ones without. So it would make sense that people with severe depression were given lighter exercise. Still, we didn't find any differences across the board of people with severe depression doing less well off exercise. Whereas I know for antidepressants, my understanding is the effects are stronger for people with more severe levels of depression. So now, nobody's depressed after uh, listening to the health report for an hour. Right. But, you know, let, but let's assume there's, they know somebody who's got depression. Where do we land with the recommendations here? Where we land here is that exercise isn't going to be a silver bullet. There's no silver bullet for depression. Depression is debilitating for all of us who have been through it. And as a result, I would probably recommend that we throw everything at it. And so exercise has very few barriers for a lot of people, especially once you just put walking on the menu and could be considered just like a frontline treatment alongside psychotherapy and medication. And not just adding another thing to someone's list of things that they feel guilty about, which is already pretty long when you're feeling depressed, but instead linking them in with someone or a group who can kind of help support them through that journey. So either a referral to an exercise physiologist or a physio or, you know, a PT or an exercise group, just so that people aren't going it alone. GPs can give five sessions of exercise physiology to people with a chronic health condition, and a lot of people with depression would meet that criteria. But anecdotally, we haven't seen that as part of routine practice. Michael, thank you very much. Thanks again, Norman. That was Michael Notell, who's a senior lecturer in the School of Psychology, University of Queensland. So there's a couple of echoes there. One is our social prescribing story that you had a couple of weeks ago in the health mm-hmm. report. 
And the other is that, you know, just get out there a bit more. Well, you're a human beam of sunshine, Norman, but when you are in a funk, what exercise gets you out of it the quickest? I've actually got to, I go to the gym and I do an hour session in the gym, So, which is a mixture of quite rigorous um, aerobics. So I'll do the rowing, I'll do bike and maybe the elliptical and then do weights. And I'm so knackered at the end of that that I forget that I was in a bad mood. Too but, tired to be angry. But, and you go you go climbing. Is that because this combination of exercise and scaring the shit out of yourself? Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Can you, can you, I survived, so <laughs> life must be good. Celebrating life, my life. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.